but I, I, I did it. I turned it off because it's going to come in. That sound going to come in. Okay, I can turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it up. Okay, I don't have it yet on my Facebook page. So, Karen, what chapter are we? You kind of broke up when you said it. We are going to be studying from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 90. And I'm going to try to share it as soon as it comes up on my Facebook. It's not up yet, but as soon as it comes up, we will. There we go. Okay. All right. I'm going to share. Do a cup share in a couple of places. Okay. All right. Um, so we're going to get started. We're going to pray first. And then uh, we're going to, I want to start doing something a little bit different at the end of our, our, our uh, discussion. But let's pray and then I'll explain that. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for another day, for another Sabbath day. We thank you for bringing us to this place once more and safely through another week. And we ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us and upon all those who may be watching now or later. Lord, give us your spirit and open up our understanding, Lord, that we may glean gems of truth, Lord, from these things that we read and that we may um, meditate upon these things and hide them in our hearts. And uh, give us complete understanding as according to your will, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Again, we, were, we are studying from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1 and Chapter 90. So before we get started, I just want to um, say we're going to do a little something different at the end of our chapters now, uh, in, at least in my class. Um, and so I'm going to kind of... Uh, give you a heads up now so that when it comes to the end and I ask the questions, you will be prepared to answer them. So at the end of the class, now I'm going to ask you, what do you think was the point of this chapter? I'm going to ask you, what do you think is the principle that we should uh, take from this chapter? I'm going to ask you, what uh, would our prayer be about this chapter? Because again, the whole point in studying all of this is how, um, how we should um, how it affects our lives. And the final thing is the application. And maybe I should say the application before the prayer. Application, how do we apply this into our lives? And then the prayer, what, what would we pray to say, Lord, um, help us to um, apply this in our lives? Okay. Are we having a pop quiz? <laughs> <laughs> not a pop quiz, but I think the whole point in this is not just to read, but to actually begin to um, understand and to apply, you know? All right, let me pull up uh, the study. Now, I don't know who, who got a chance to read the chapter. Um, and let me pull it up here. Give me just a second, pull it up. Okay, the name of this chapter is Shifting Responsibilities. Now, I, I felt some kind of way about this chapter because I, I did not like the way it started out. And so, we'll, but we'll discuss it. It's the start, the first paragraph starts out, those Sabbath keeping brethren who shift the responsibility of their stewardship into the hands of their wives while they themselves are capable of managing the same are unwise and in the transfer displease God. 
and said, the stewardship of the husband cannot be transferred to the wife, and yet this is sometimes attempted to the great injury of both. A believing husband has sometimes transferred his property to his unbelieving companion, hoping thereby to gratify her, disarm, disarm her opposition, and finally induce her to believe the truth. But this is no more nor less than an attempt to purchase peace or to hire the wife to believe the truth. This mean, the means which God has lent to advance his cause, the husband transfers to one who has no sympathy for the truth. What account will such a steward render when the master requires his own with usury? So I'm just going to ask y'all, based on that, what, what do you all think about that? Anybody? Nobody have a comment so far? Yeah, I think it's uh, Lakita wants you to repeat the question. She read a bunch of stuff. So. so my question was, what do you all think about that? He, specifically, she's saying that a husband should not transfer his stewardship to his wife and that God is displeased with that. Yeah, I was thinking when I read that, I don't think it's just limited to like money. Um, I think it's the the responsibility of being a faithful steward that you can't transfer because there are husbands and wives, vice versa. Some are better at managing finances than the other one. But I think it's when you're trying to transfer responsibility of being a faithful steward, I think that's kind of one of the things that it's talking about. Because we're called to be faithful stewards personally to God with our time, talent, temple, treasure. And I can't put that on Lakita to say, hey, take care of helping make me a good steward. That's my mm. job. That's my mm. job. So, 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 so when we stand before God and he says, okay, uh, were you faithful in this? Were you faithful in that? We can't say, like Eve said, well, it, uh, well, like Adam said, well, it was that, that man that you gave me or that woman that you gave me, which is the reason why I wasn't, huh? Well, I, um, as we read further down, you know, then I think it explains a little bit more about this. But from the top of my mind, I'm thinking that um, I'm thinking about developing trust. And if you leave that, you know, like your responsibility to return a faithful tithe and offering, um, I kind of felt like she was saying, you know, you have a duty to God to develop your own faith and to develop your trust as well. And sometimes if the person, well, you'll see it later on, if the person who you leave it in their hands, you know, they really not going to take care of the tithe and offering. It's kind of your way of excusing yourself out of that responsibility rather mm. than actually, you know, going through the uh, motions of writing that check, et cetera, et cetera. I think so, you hit on so a real good point when you said responsibility for stewardship, because the whole point of stewardship is to build trust and depend, dependence upon God and him taking care of us. So if I abdicate that responsibility to someone else, I'm not building up any trust and belief and dependence upon God. So that when tough times come, I don't have anything to rely on because I have not built up that dependence on God through being a faithful steward. So if I know that my spouse faithfully pays all the monthly bills for the household, but they just don't believe in giving tithe to the church, mm -hmm. you mean to tell me I can't just turn all that over to them and they take care of all of our monthly bills and I'm okay if they don't 
they don't give any tithe to the church because I know they're taking care of us. And I'm, I'm good with that. And I think that's what she's alluding to is that they're um, abdicating their responsibility, partially because they don't want to return tithe and offering to the church and because they know that person's not going to do it. But yet, it's not me. I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, not paying tithe and offering this person. So I'm putting this responsibility on them. And again, my point being, if you do that, you are not building up dependence and trust in the Lord so that when the time comes, you need it, you will not have it. You can't run to your spouse and say, oh, I need some trust in the Lord. They can't help you with that. The pastor mm -hmm. even mentioned, his wife mentioned that she was doing all the bill paying, tithe paying, and she's uh, turned it back over to him and said, hey, you handle your part. You know, so I thought that was interesting. Because mm. he because he needed to build up his own trust. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and um, she says that the bottom of that, the means which God has lent to advance his cause, the husband transfers to one who has no sympathy for the truth. What account will such a steward render when the great master requires his own with usury? And we'll get back to that story, requiring his own with usury uh, a little, little bit later on in this chapter. In the next, she talks about believing parents who have transferred their property to their unbelieving children and putting therefore putting it out of the power to render to God the things that are his. Um, and so she said, by so doing, they lay off that responsibility which God has laid upon them and place in the enemy's ranks means which God has entrusted to them to be returned to him by being invested in his cause when he shall require it of them. And she said, it's not God's order or God's plan that parents who are capable of managing their own business should give up the control of their property, even to children who are of the same faith. So what does that, what that, what, what does that say to you? I mean, first she talked about they, them giving it up to unbelieving children, but she then she ends up with saying, and they shouldn't even, if they're capable of doing it themselves, they shouldn't even transfer it if they have believing children. Well, she didn't say believing children. She said those who are in the same faith. Well, those of who are the same faith. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, you're making a distinction between believing. Yeah, it's a big distinction. It is. A, it really is a distinction um, because it's, um, the Bible says you have to try the spirits. You know, just because they're they are attending church, some of this is just rote memory. You know, just going because this is you know what my mom did, my dad did, blah blah blah. And they have no real connection to God. That's I think that's really the issue is, is there a connection to God? Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. And she goes on to say, these Oh, uh, before you go on, I, okay. I thought this was interesting. It's the paragraph right before where it says, but this is no more less than an attempt to purchase peace or to hire the wife to believe the truth. And when I was reading that, I remember uh I think about people who are dating and then the person, one person's in the church believer, the person they're dating is not, but the person they're dating wants to be with this person and they start attending church just so that they can get uh, that person to marry them. And then mm -hmm. it falls apart afterward, usually. Not always, but usually, because they mm -hmm. never had the, the right motives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of that in my own family, you know. Um, let's see. Uh, and she's so back down to the next paragraph. She talks about how 
these children seldom possess as much devotion. And I guess she's talking about the ones now that are of the same faith. They seldom possess as much devotion as they should. And they have, they, they, they don't um, face adversity very well and affliction. And so they don't place a high estimate upon the eternal treasure and um, as they do upon earthly. So she said, the means placed in the hands of such is the greatest evil. It is a temptation to them to place their affections upon the earthly and trust to property and feel that they need little else besides. When means which they have not acquired by their own exertion comes into their possession, they seldom use it wisely. What is, what, what, what is that saying to you? It's not there, so they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people don't, I mean, if you haven't, if you earn something, work your blood, sweat, and tears, then you're not willing to just give your money out to anybody. But if you put like a million dollars suddenly into a 23-year-old, they're going to have, you know, a car for them, probably buy a car for their girlfriend at the time, tattoos, all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, go out and buy a house that they don't know nothing about or nothing about keeping up with it. You know, in about, I could say in about two years, they will be broke. And you know, that's true when you hear about the Powerball people. You know, people win like 20 million. How in the world do you end up broke in 10 years or five? Mm -hmm. Well, you know. And also, also, it makes me think of where it says, when God says, uh, put, uh, where your heart is is where your treasure is. And I think our young people think, you know, I have to be able to show that I have got this house and I've got this kind of car. And to me, it's like my mother used to say, don't keep up with the Joneses. Just be blessed with what God has given you. Mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. looking at two of this uh, towards a spiritual way. So when we are young people coming into church, our parents take us to church. We go to church, you know, they make us go to church. If we don't find a relationship with the Lord for ourselves at some point, then when it, it's going to come a time where we just fall right out of church. And if we don't study the Bible for ourselves and, and the Holy Spirit brings things to our understanding, then when other people come to us and say, that's not right, listen to what I have to say, we're not going to have any strength to with, withstand them. So it's like when you get money from someone else, just come into your possession, you don't know how to use it wisely. So it's the same with spiritual matters. You haven't acquired them through study and prayer and understanding of the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be very easy for you to lose them. I, I like what she says. They have not been schooled in adversity and affliction so as to place a high estimate upon the eternal treasure and less upon the earthly. They haven't been through anything. You know, they really haven't. And so you know, and that's where you get all this entitlement from. They supposed to have this and that, blah, blah, blah. But if they go through something, you know, do some illnesses, do some medical bills, you know, uh, they they had a big car repair. And, and if you don't repair the car, you can't get to work. They haven't had that experience. And so, you know, money is like it's supposed to come to me. This is what's supposed to happen. And they don't feel the need to trust God with it or console him on how to use it or none of that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I had a question too. I was going back to your original question on the opening. I just got my system up 
and I was reading that question, that statement again, and it says those Sabbath keeping brethren who shift the responsibility of their stewardship into the hands of their wives, while they themselves are capable of managing the same or unwise and in their transfer displease God. I noticed that first off, the title of this, this chapter is shifting responsibilities. So first off, the, 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 the entitlement is upon the individual that's reading this, meaning that this shifting of responsibility is directed at you, the individual. That's the first thing that comes to onus of this particular text. But then it goes on to say uh, the stewardship of the husband, and it's clear, cannot be transferred to the wife. Why? Because it's still under the individual. Yet this is sometimes attempted. That's man. Hence was what Adam was trying to do. But God said, no, you both at fault. Right. You know. And so when you're looking at it from that response, from that perspective, then you begin to get a better understanding of what is happening when you start talking about being wise and unwise. You know, you <laughs> trying to shift the blame on somebody else is definitely not wise, especially when you're talking about God who sees and knows everything. And so that that that's what I'm looking at from this perspective of this particular chapter. So as Lee was saying, as far as stewardship is concerned, it's an individual thing that God is looking for, an individual faithfulness that God is looking for. Is that what, what, uh, what I'm hearing you say too, person? I think he would me. Yes, <laughs> yes, he said yes. That's what Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. And, you know, each one of us is going to have to stand individually before God and account for either our uh, unfaithfulness or our faithfulness. Uh, hopefully we will all be accounting for our faithfulness before God. And he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that the response of, I mean, she, she says it clearly that responsibility should not be shifted. And it almost sounds like she's saying, particularly when you know you're shifting it to someone who does not feel that responsibility to, to a faithful giving an unfaithful, a faithful account to God of it. Um, Seemed like I heard, uh, seemed like I remember a story somebody told. They were a church member and they believed that the man was supposed to manage all the finances. So they gave all the money to the husband and the husband wasn't a church member. And he just spent the money like it was nothing. And so they ne he never returned any tithe and offering. And then when the woman found out later, she was mad about it. But really, it was her fault for turning it over to him. He never said he was going to put any money in church. He felt like she was putting too much money in as it was. So that's mm -hmm. another case. You just can't give your money over, to, in this case, money. But you mm -hmm. just can't turn it over to anybody. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. Because the, the scripture in Malachi says, will a man rob God? So the person that turns their money over to their spouse or whatever, children to render a faithful account and they don't are they robbing god yes they are because i think that even in that situation that person you know your spouse you know what they are doing you know uh pretty much you've grown with them you've lived with them so you know who they are 
So you know if they believe in tithing and offering or returning a faithful tithe and returning a faithful offering, you pretty much know that. So yes, you are responsible for that too. So you're an accomplice in it. You're an accomplice in it, huh? Yeah, and not only that too, but you are, you know, causing them to stumble. If you know that's their weakness, is you know, like your money is their weakness, <laughs> then you're causing them to stumble as well. And I said at the top, when you do that, you're causing great injury to both people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, when we skip down to the next paragraph, 529.1, it goes on to say that a husband who transfers his property to his wife opens the door, opens for her door wide for temptation, and whether she is a believer or an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If she is a believer and naturally penurious, inclined to selfishness and, a, and acquisitiveness, the battle will be much harder for her with her husband's stewardship and her own to manage. Why are you laughing, Lee? The key to just being funny. Oh. But I was had a comment on what you said about opening the door for temptation. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's true. Sometimes, you know, when people are blessed with a lot of money and they just want to give money out willy-nilly, well, you can't just give a drug addict a bunch of money and think they're going to use it wisely. You can't do an, give an alcoholic a bunch of money and think that's going to help them. You know, Lakita mentioned you you have to know people, you know, know something about them, because if not, you're just opening a big door of temptation to people, whether they're a believer or not. Even people in church, if you know this person uh, is not honest and faithful and tied and offering and they're not taking care of their family like they should, et cetera, et cetera, and you just give them a bunch of money, you're just not helping them. You're doing them a disservice. Mm. And piggybacking off of what Lee just said, and again, looking at, at the totality of what is being said and what's being transpired uh, in this reading, in this study, what's really jumping out at me is the, the order by which Christ or Sister White is trying to deliver to us what Christ is actually bringing to her attention. One of the things that you're dealing with with shifting responsibility it's not just, of course, they're using the husband and the wife as the example, but that's just the principle behind what's really transpiring. If you notice further down in that verse that you was just reading, it says, in order to be saved, she must overcome all these peculiar evil traits and it imitate the character of her divine Lord, seek an opportunity to do others good, loving others as Christ has loved us. She should cultivate the precious gift of love possessed so largely by our Savior. His life was characterized by noble, uh, disinterested benevolence. His whole life was not marred by one selfish act. So in other words, what she's relaying to us, there's the principle behind this here. You have to still take responsibility for who you are and what you're supposed to be doing, which is to empathize. You're actually supposed to be imitating or looking like Christ and what Christ would do and how he would handle it. Uh, Certainly, as Lee brought out, if you put that responsibility in somebody else's hand, whether it's male, female, child or whomever, if they don't have the criteria or the the capability of doing it, they're going to fall. And so that shifting is the problem. It's the principle behind why you're shifting it. 
And so when you're looking at it from that perspective, we need to understand, I can't just, <laughs> I can't just say, I'm going to give this here to you. And I haven't even taken out time to even understand if you can handle it. Hmm. I think adding to that, we have to remember that God knows our hearts. And sometimes we're praying for millions and billions of dollars and the Lord withholds it because he understands that it would just cause us to be a, cause it to be a stumbling block to us. Uh, many times we want stuff and we pray for stuff, but God in his wisdom does not give it to us because he understands our, uh, our motives, our character, and he knows what it's going to take for us to make it to heaven. And that's his ultimate thing is for us to be saved in his kingdom. So he'll withhold money. A lot of people don't have a lot of money because they can't handle it in a spiritual manner, they would end up losing their soul because of it. Mm -hmm. Not to say everybody don't have money. It's a spiritual problem, though. <laughs> well. <laughs> and, 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 and it's interestingly that you talk about the stumbling block, because she says that in the next chapter, whatever the motives of the husband, he has placed a terrible stumbling block in his wife's way to hinder her in the work of overcoming. And if the transfer be made to the children, the same evil results may follow. God reads his motives. If he is selfish and has made the transfer to conceal his covetousness and excuse himself from doing anything to advance the cause, the curse of heaven will surely follow. So, so it goes back to, and he says it here, God reads the intents and purposes of the heart. And he tries the motive of, of everyone and he says his signal visible displeasure may not be manifested right away, as in the case of Ananias and Sapphira. Yet, in the end, the punishment will in no case be lighter than that which was inflicted upon them. And so in trying to deceive men, they were lying to God and the soul that sent it, it shall die. So, so that, that kind of says to me that a lot of times when this shifting may occur, like we, we talked about a little bit earlier, it's because they have a heart of unbelief and they don't want to pay it. They don't, uh, I shouldn't say pay. They don't want to return faithfully. Uh, uh, and even, even their time, you know, it's not just money. Like, like you were saying, Lee, uh, time, talent, treasure, all of that. And so uh, they might say, um, <laughs> and, and, and I've, had, we, I've had this happen where, you know, something needed to be done for the church. Well, why don't you do it? Well, why don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> and so and, and, and it may have come to the attention of one person but that person says well you know such and such needs to be done or you know you need to run over to the church and help do whatever you know what i'm saying and so we i think we're guilty sometimes of that shifting responsibility well it's cleanup day aren't you going over there and help them <laughs> <laughs> all right let's see any other comments on that okay um in the next paragraph, she talks about, um, she says, those people who do shift responsibility, they're not going to be able to stand in, in the judgment. And she talks about the man who received the one talent and he hid it in the earth. Who can tell us that story? Tell, tell us that story, anybody. Okay, so there was three, um, three stewards and um, their master gave them one hit 10 talents. And one had five talents and the other one had one. So the one who had 10 talents, he went out and he traded and he earned 10 more talents. And the one who had five, he went out and he 
um, traded as well, and he got five more talents. The one who had one, he said he was just going to put his master's money in the ground that, um, and, um, and then give him back what he gave, gave to him. And he said, gave him this excuse, which I'm not saying verbatim, but just paraphrasing. You know, I know that you are a, um, a hard taskmaster and you want to reap where you haven't sown. And so I didn't want to pay, basically risk your anger. So I just hid it in the ground. And so then he um, took that one that he had and gave it to the one who had 10. Ooh. And you know what's interesting about that story? She says it at the bottom of paragraph 530.1. Very good, Lakita. You told the story very well. It Thank says you. that this... And so actually this man, even though he, he claimed to be afraid of his master and he didn't want to lose it. And he says, I knew you were, you were a hard man reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you have not strewn. And I was afraid. He says that to him, but really when the motive of his heart was read, he said, this man was afraid that his Lord would be benefited by the improvement of his talent, which means that he was like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to benefit you. I don't want to get any gain for you. Because what does that do for me? Because you just gonna take it back from me. So I'm just. I don't. I don't want to work to gain anything for you. And that's what was really going on here. He didn't want to work so that someone else would be benefited. So he just went and put it in the ground and said, "I'll give him back what what he gave me." So he should be satisfied with that. What you all think about that? Just selfishness, once again, the root of all evil, selfishness. And the guy, I thought it was interesting that it said uh, the man with the one talent, he couldn't even handle that. He couldn't handle one talent. So you think about people who they make, uh, just say they make $100 a week or $50 a week, and they throw all that away. They can't even handle that much money. So if you give them a lot more, they're really going to mess that up. So it's... It's kind of relative because everybody's a little different in, in their financial ability. But I thought that was interesting that this guy, he couldn't even handle one talent. Mm. So he couldn't have gotten more, which God reminds us that, you know, he wants to give us more light, more knowledge, but we have to handle what he's already given us. You all ever heard the story, I'm, and I'm probably paraphrasing this, about um somebody that gets to heaven and God opens up this room and they say, what is this? And these are all the blessings that you didn't get on earth because, you mm -hmm. know, you, 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 you weren't ready for it or you didn't open up your hand to receive it or you were too selfish, you kept your hands closed or whatever the case may be. And I, I, think, I think that there's a lot of blessings that we miss out on because we are not doing things God's way. I mean, to some extent we are because all of us, you know, are blessed to some extent, but I think there's so many more blessings that potentially uh, would be ours if we were um, doing things the Lord's way all the time and doing things that please God all the time. I think there would be so many more blessings. Lakita, you always talked about the lady that um, she would just get whatever she prayed for. Yeah, yeah. And um you know, I, I think God delights to do that for us. I really do. Um, and I think that a lot of that is faith, but a lot of it is obedience, too. Yes. And well, you know, faith is obedient, right? So we pray. So that's asking. And then we go out and the Lord tells us where to look. 
So we seek. And then he says, here it is. So open your mouth and ask for it. Knock at the door. So that is, you know, the faith is, is um, you know, the asking and looking and, and uh, knocking on the door. That's, that's the faith right there. So, you know, so let me ask this. Oh, go ahead. ahead. So, so when do we hit that wall that I think Lee was talking about? Uh, he knows we can't handle it. So when we ask for it, he doesn't give it to us. Well, you know what? You know what? He, this is how I experience God. So he hasn't given it to you yet. He's preparing you for it. For whatever, you know, because he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. So the desire must, it has to come from God. And we can ask him, Lord, if this is not what you want me to have, take the desire away. And if it's what you like for me to have, show me what to do. And so we may not get the what to do right away because we're also asking, our greater ask is to be saved. And right now, in this state of mind, in this way where you are, you can't be saved if I bless you right now. So I may have to just hold up on that for you and develop. He has to develop us until eventually the thing we want is not nearly, we don't want that nearly as much as we want God. And remember, God can answer our prayers. Yes, no, or wait. Hmm. So how, let me ask this since you said that. How do we know when it's a no and how do we know when it's a wait? Well, you proceed to me, that's to me, you proceed on as if it's a yes, because that's what faith is. You're not going to know if it's a no, you know, unless the door is completely close to you. But I absolutely believe that God can change the desire of your heart that you no longer want that thing. You're not even interested in it, you know, because he's moved you into a different spot and you can even see this is not what I really need. You know, but I believe that he, you know, he is a gentle God, a merciful God, and he's just not about just saying no, just because, but he wants us to be saved. That's the greater, that's the greater prayer. Every time we pray to be saved, anything else praying that we're praying contradictory to that, because that's what God definitely wants. I think everything is kicked out if it's not going to help us get saved, but we will not know that until, what do you say? The by and by. At some point, you recognize, you know, I don't really need that. Yeah, and I, and I have and to I, agree with Lakita on that one. I piggyback on that one as well. The, the, the yay or the nay is not the relevancy. The relevancy is my obedience to following what he has asked me to do. And if I'm going to succeed, he's going to make sure that that happens. If I don't succeed, I'm not going to blame him because I didn't succeed. It just wasn't that time. You know, I look at that instance when you're talking about the three that were given the gifts and the two went out and did what they were supposed to do and they were blessed. The one buried his and he wasn't. And yet it was taken from him. And the other one that got 10 was blessed yet again. So understanding the principle behind God just says, go. He says, go, you got to trust me. You got to have faith in me. I'm the one that's going to deliver you. It's just like it was in our Sabbath school lesson this morning. He is the creator. So he's the one who created everything. He's the deliverer. He's the one who redeems everything. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I'm, I'm head on with Lakita. Just go. And I kind of 
hitting on what Lakita and Elder Wellington said. Sometimes we put in our mind the way we want it done. So yeah. our perception on if I'm going to get this blessing, this is the way it's going to happen. Now, we're just as guilty as those that look for Jesus to come as a king and to destroy people. And I said, and you know, and there's times when I have to look at myself, I say, I, you know, God, if, you know, if it's God's will, it'll be done. But it may not be done in the frame of mind that I'm thinking, this is the easy route to get it done. God may take me around, and it may be a long waiting period, but he took me around the long way to make me to appreciate and to lean on him and, and, and to acknowledge this came from God. Yeah, you might have to have that wilderness experience where you keep going around here till, till the Lord sees fit. But another thing, I think it was in the book Prayer we read, and I'm paraphrasing, but Sister White was saying that when we ask God, when we petition him sincerely and following his will, that we're to proceed as though the, the mm-hmm. answer is affirmative until God shows us otherwise. Mm-hmm. So when you pray sincerely in God's will, then you just move out there like, yeah, he, said, he, he wants me to do this. It's his will. It's the right thing to do until he stops you or stops whatever, until he tells you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good answers, everybody. Um, let's go down to the next paragraph where she says, um, and I thought this was interesting, paragraph 530.2. She says, I saw that there are many who have wrapped their talent in a napkin and hid it in the earth. And they seem to think that every penny which is invested in the cause of God is lost to them beyond redemption. To those who feel thus, it is even so. They will receive no reward. They give grudgingly only because they feel obliged to do something. God loves the cheerful giver. Those who flatter themselves that they can shift their responsibility upon their wife or children are deceived by the enemy. A transfer of property will not lessen their responsibility. They are accountable for the means which heaven has entrusted to their care. And in no way can they excuse themselves from this responsibility until they are released by rendering back to God that which he has committed to them. And it says the love of the world separates from God. And if any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. It is impossible for any to discern the truth while the world has their affections. The world comes between them and God, beclouding the vision and benumbing the sensibilities to such a degree that it is impossible for them to discern sacred things. So basically, um, to me, she's talking about so many that just, they shirk their responsibility to God. And they believe that, okay, well, if if I give it to God, how does that benefit me? Have you all ever heard that saying, you can't be God-given though? Yes. And, yes. Uh-huh. And even though it may not come back to you in a, a material form, think about all the ways that God can bless us. Somebody just, just throw out some ways that God can bless us that are not in material form. Health. Health is big. Yes. Health is huge. Yes. And in a pandemic, how important is that? Really and, and then your mental health, which is bigger. That's big. That's really big, you know? It blesses also, us with peace. Also, mm-hmm. I, I would rather be 
healthy in a ditch than uh unhealthy in a in a uh in a home. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. I can get out that ditch easily mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. my help. Yeah. What about what about some of the things he's blessed us with that don't break down, like a car, or you don't have? Uh, I remember we went to three ABM one time. We were at three ABM. And they were talking about how a tornado had come through. And they said that the tornado came to the edge of their field or a field owned by 3ABN, lifted up over the field, went all up in the sky over their buildings and their property and came back down on the other side. Mm -hmm. Now that's God. (laughs) Yeah, and I think about that tornado that hit Illinois uh, was it Illinois that, that mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. recently? Yes, it was damn, coming, yes. building Amazon. It was coming to North County, but it went around North County. You know those mm-hmm. kind of things. Not that we wish bad on other people or anything, but no, you're in in the middle uh, in the line of fire, and you don't get it. It's like right. such a blessing, you know? Right, right. I remember the night, and Andre can speak to this word. The tornado, it, it, the tornado warnings went off. We went down in the basement. This was just recently. We went down in the basement. Then they gave us the all clear. We went back upstairs, got back in the bed. And then what What was that? Maybe like 20 minutes later. 20 minutes later, thing went off again. And they said, it's headed right to you. And we were back down in the basement again. It's like, what in the world is going on? But we yeah. didn't get it. It, it. it just went. I don't know if it went back up in the sky. I don't know what. We didn't get it. But then we found out that over in Illinois had got hit really bad. Did y'all just stay down in the basement for the night? No, we didn't. We came back up when they when <laughs> they, they got no coming. bed down in the basement. <laughs> and you know, I've been uh, looking at some of these uh, movies about slavery, and I said, and I just think in terms to God give us the ability to read. I mean, that's something we take for granted. We, you know, we grab a newspaper, we grab our Bibles, and can, we can read. And I just look back and I say, you know, we had you know, people back in slavery, they wish they had had that ability that they could have read the word for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was looking at this part you read, Karen, that's uh, 530.2, the last mm-hmm. part. They're accountable for the means heaven is entrusted to their care. In no way can they excuse themselves from this responsibility to their release by rendering back to God that which he has committed to them. And, you know, that includes our children, too. So we have a responsibility to point our children to Christ, to be examples of Christ to them, to uh, guide and educate them in spiritual matters so that and to cultivate their own relationship with the Lord. Because at the at the end, God is going to ask us, where's that little flock that I gave you? And we're going to be held accountable for our children, just like any other um, blessings that God has given us supposed to use that for his glory and honor. Hmm. So what if you train your children up in the way that they should go, but when they become adults, they choose to go off down another path? Well, that's what the that's what the scripture says, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're older, it, it, they should not depart from as what we normally read, but apparently in the original Hebrew it says, uh, it should not depart from them. Mm-hmm. So they remember what you taught them. They mm-hmm. might choose not to follow, but it's in there. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know what, it's really hard. This is hard, but I was thinking about this today, thinking about somebody I didn't like, and the Holy Spirit was like, this person is in your life 
so that you can be saved. Mm. Everything that's in our lives that God has removed from our lives is to help us be saved. You know, there's some, some prayers is with, we won't get to the depth and sincerity of prayers. Really, I know when you have kids or a loved one, a parent or a cousin or somebody you care about, and they seem to be moving in a direction that's, that they're not going to be saved. That's a hurting thing right there. And it's really scary because you can't take over for them. You can't protect them. This is all on them and stuff. And all you really, well, not all, but what you have is your trust and your leaning on God. That's, that's what you have. And um, his wisdom, you know, he asking him, you know, help me to know what to say and what not to say. And sometimes you swear you should say it. And sometimes you swear you should slash and thrash the person. But God is saying, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't. It's just rendering you helpless. And in some cases, you may feel hopeless as well. But that I try to remember all this stuff that, you know, you don't like. It's here. You know, sometimes we bring it to ourselves. But I just have to trust it's allowed in my life because God is trying to save me. I'm praying to be saved. So then he's doing what it takes to get me there. Yeah. And I was watching a program earlier today. I don't know if you've ever heard of this group, the um, uh, the foster triplets. Uh, there are single mm-hmm. three, three young ladies, beautiful voices. Yes, well, I've heard of they, they were doing an interview with their parents today. And one of the things that just stood out to me when the parents were talking about their coming together. You just said. Go ahead, Bert. They said that the thing that brought them together was their love for God. And the wife, both the wife and the husband said, before they even ever had an actual date, they became best friends. But, and this was over a period of two to four years. But the most prevalent thing in, in their coming together was they both said, if you can't love God more than you love me, then we can't even go nowhere. And I was looking at this other portion that you read. It says the love of the world separates from God. It says if any man loved the world, the love of the father is not in him. And then it went on to say it is impossible for any to discern the truth while the world has their affections. And so as I was listening to all the comments and everything, I said, wow, then what we have to learn to do is truly place our love, our our obedience, our faith, our everything in Christ so that he can give us the discernment of truth to be able to walk accordingly to what he has called us to do. Hmm. So we have to pray for love of the truth is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, any other comments right now? Um, Percy hit on the one about the love of the world separates from God. And mm-hmm. those who love the world, the love of the world is enmity against God. We cannot serve God and the world. We cannot love God and the world. Sometimes people say, oh, I love two women or I love two men. No, one of them you love more than the other one. It might be a little bit different, but there is no equality when it comes to giving someone your total love. And we cannot love the world and do all the things the world asks us 
and claim that we love God. We have mm-hmm. to follow one or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's go on down in that same paragraph. Uh, paragraph 530.3, uh, kind of midway down. It says, God calls upon uh, those who love the world to, to cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, be afflicted and mourn and weep, the latter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. And she says, those who have stained their hands with the pollution of the world are required to cleanse themselves from its stains. Those who think they can serve the world and yet love God are double-minded, but they cannot serve God and mammon. They are men of two minds, loving the world and losing all sense of their obligation to God, which is what, what you just said, I think, uh, uh, Lee. Um, and that they can't, they can't equally love both. And yet professing to be Christ's followers, they are neither the one thing nor the other. They will lose both worlds unless they cleanse their hands and purify their hearts through obedience to the pure principles of truth. So, so as, as you were saying, we can't do both. We can't say, you know, I love God, but then I got one foot in the world. I'm out clubbing and I'm out every time you see me on Facebook, I'm at some club and, but I'm at church at Sabbath school on time. <laughs> now you talking about people now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not talking about anybody. <laughs> I'm just saying, cause I've seen all kinds of stuff on Facebook, all kinds of folks on Facebook. And so you can't, you can't, you know, you can't say, well, you know, I'm devoted to God, but, doing all kind of stuff uh when we were one thing one thing i wanted to add here is that that's very true we need to pray one for another because our human our human flesh is weak our spirit may really be willing but our flesh is weak so when we do uh end up doing those type things or know somebody else who does we need to pray and ask for god's strength to overcome When we were in Orlando uh, and we went to church with my cousin, uh, Chaplain Barry Black was speaking that day. And he suggested that we try um, reading the Bible as much as we spend time on TV every day. And he said, I guarantee, basically, you know, that will help us in our Christian walk more than anything. You know, and so you you sit back and you think, okay, I don't know about some of y'all. I, I don't really watch TV during the day unless I have CNN on or something like that. Um, in the evening, maybe a couple of evenings a week, there may be a couple of programs I like. But it was something to think about because really what he is saying, and it goes back to stewardship, Lee, is giving some of your time to the Lord. So because by beholding, we become changed. And so that time, even if you even if you were normally busy doing other stuff, not necessarily watching TV, but busy doing other stuff, give some of that time to the Lord and you will be richly blessed and rewarded for it. Because I think about the story of the man who in the Bible, he, 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 he went into this field, he found a pearl of great value. Well, he wouldn't have found the pearl of great value if he never went into the field. So it's just that it, it, it's just that striking that, you know, if you're not even in the field, how are you going to find it? Mm-hmm. Any other comments? 
She says uh, in the same paragraph, he that says he abides in him uh, himself also to walk, even as he, meaning Jesus, walk. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And um, it says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, we're in this pandemic. We're still in it. Uh, I don't know if we've seen the worst of it yet because the beginning of it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. People were dying right and left. Um, But as students of prophecy, do you think the world is going to get worse? Yes. No, not yes. really. Yes. Of course. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So do you think it's going to get, do you think you can imagine how bad it's going to get? Or do you think that will be beyond your imagination right now? Or you just don't want to think about how bad it's going to get? No, I think it's beyond my imagination. It's going to get quite bad. Yeah. Because the word, because the word of God says we haven't seen a time of trouble like we never seen before. And I don't think we've seen it yet. Mm. Do you believe mm. the Holy Spirit is still here? Yes. And that it hasn't yes. been withdrawn yes. yet. Yes. So yes. it's still here and it hasn't been withdrawn yet. And we're seeing all this crazy stuff happening. What's going to happen when it's get, when the Holy Spirit is withdrawn? Ooh, that's, when you, that's when we'll see the full effect of the devil's rage and anger. Mm. Right now it's tempered by the Holy Spirit's protection. Mhm. Mhm. And what kind of Christians will we have to be to live through that time? Spotless. <laughs> mm. You know, when we're I gonna read- have to have, we're gonna have to have that character so much imitated in Christ that we we are, like I said we are splitting. I got him. I guess they used to say a splitting image of your parents. Well, we've got to be a splitting image of Christ. In every single way, because mm. at that point, when the Holy Spirit is being withdrawn, we only have the, the, the Holy Spirit and God that's in us to even survive. We couldn't survive if we ha- are not preparing for it now. Mm. I'm reading Psalms uh, 91, 7 and 9. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. You will only observe it with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Hmm. Hmm. So you think that's going to be going on through the time of trouble that those who have clung to Christ will not see some of those things that the wicked will not experience. I'll put it like that. Some of those things that the wicked will experience. No, you're not going to. No, I don't No, I don't think you're going to experience uh, those things that, that the wicked experience at that time. You know, um, when you look about when you think about only. 144,000 people will be found faithful. How many people is it on the earth right now? Is it what, 40 billion? How many people is it? 80? Some uh, I think it's me. I thought that was a symbol of a number. I thought that symbolized a number. No, the we people. talked about that in, in, he- in, the, um, in the book Heaven. You know, it's 144,000 people will be alive at the second coming of Christ. And, um, you know, and it's just like amazing. But then when I looked at this show that Karen know the title of uh, the other night about 
our planet and they kind of projected into the future what this uh, global warming thing is going to do is doing to the planet at this point. Show pictures of what the planet looked like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And now what the forests are looking like now, then you can see how it's not going to be, even, even now as you see the wildfires, the weather is completely out of control. You know, um, this, the weather we're having, all this strange weather and stuff, you know, this weather pattern. But um, when you see that, it's, it's possible that it's only 144,000 people. That don't mean that's all the people that will be saved, but that's all that may be alive at the time that Jesus comes, you know, because I think the it's righteous, people. righteous people. I'm sorry, there are 145,000 righteous people. But I think the population will be, you know, a lot less too. You know, I even think this pandemic is going to have some play in that because um, the way this virus works is that it causes these other types of, um, of effects to the body, you know, like one of them is infertility, you know, that we don't know the kids, they haven't been wearing masks around and stuff. So we don't know how it's going to all play out. But I think that um, when you look at what we're doing and what's happening with the earth, it's going to get worse. That means somebody's probably going to let loose one of those nuclear bombs. A couple of people are probably going to do that, you know, uh, and stuff. So I think we do need to spend a lot of time in our Bibles, get ready, get in, and in prayer, mm. and meditating, and listening. You know what that... What that verse said is, um, only with thine eyes shall thou behold the reward of the wicked. So, no, it's not going to touch you. In fact, if it touch you, it's because you are wicked. <laughs> so we know it's not going to touch but, any of the righteous. But the thing that we have to do, you know, to be prepared, as Patsy was talking about and some others, and it asked that question or it mentioned that we have to cleanse ourselves from worldly lust and unrighteousness. And we do that by washing ourselves in the blood of the lamb. So as long as we have Christ's robe of righteousness covering us, that's what's going to protect us. Yes. I was, when you were telling me it is going to be a little 144,000, I was like questioning that in my mind. I was like, hmm, let me open this Bible up and see what it says. Why go to Psalm 144? What is that? <laughs> I, I opened the Bible up to Psalm 144. You just, just make an analogy of a number. Uh -huh. You yeah. know, you know, when I look at when you talk about us, and I'm probably gonna try to take that challenge that he put out there to spend um that much time in the Bible. But when you talk about that, I think about Sister White, and if you have her um her app on your phone, all of these books is sister wrote. I mean, this woman was busy, and then we're reading uh Acts of the Apostles in our devotion. Their whole lives was devoted to just doing what God said, going where he led them to go. And, you know, even being willing to go back to places where it was dangerous for them to be in and stuff. And I know good and well, you know, like if you say to me, there's some people over there, you know, they over there with guns. I'm not going over there. You know, I know I have a, a long way to go. Lord, help, help me. But, you know, when you look at the Bible, yeah, you know, you asked us to spend two extra hours reading the Bible. That's nothing. These people are living. Their mm -hmm. everything was about God. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, let me finish out this last paragraph, and then I'm going to ask you the questions. I'm going to call on different people. 
um, the questions that I, I, I put out there at the beginning of the class. Okay. Uh, she said that in the last paragraph, it's worldly lust that is destroying true godliness, love of the world and the things that are in the world is separating from the father. The passion for earthly gain is increasing among those who profess to be looking for the soon appearing of our savior. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye and the pride of life control even professed Christians. They're seeking for the things of the world with avaricious lust and many will sell eternal life for unholy gain. So now I'm gonna call on different ones of you, unless you have any comments behind that, that, um, that last paragraph. I'm gonna call on different ones of you. Um, Paula, I'm gonna call on you first. What do you think was the point of this chapter? Are you there, Paula? She might have stepped away. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, no, I'm here. Oh, I'm okay. here. Okay. What do you think was the point of this chapter, Paula? Shifting responsibilities. Oh, I, wait a minute. I was delivering something to my mom. That's why I had it on in the car, and I can't. I can't read when I'm in the car. So okay, okay. I didn't hear your question. I just okay. got back in the car. Okay, so this chapter was about shifting responsibilities and we dealt with shifting the responsibility of your stewardship to someone else. What do you think was the point of this chapter? Well, I, I did not read the chapter, so. But um, we all are gonna be judged individually. I can't shift my responsibilities uh, or anything to anyone else. Stewardship is a matter of faith and that falls squarely on me. So I, that's something I would be neglect, neglectful if I tried to put that off on someone else because it's my responsibility. It's a show of faith and, um, and, and commitment. Okay. Okay. I'll I, I roll with that. That sounds good. Okay. What is the principle that we should take for ourselves from this chapter? Percy, I'm going to call on you on that one. I'm going to have to piggyback off of <laughs> what Paula just said. Um, the, the principle behind it is it's not about anybody else. It's about my relationship with God. And the principle behind that means that I have to endure and have that love. As uh, Patty was, uh, Patsy was press, uh, pointing to earlier as we were coming to an end, in order for me to be right, I have to have the true love of God in me, that character. And that's the principle behind everything that, that transpired in this chapter as it pertains to shifting responsibility. Okay, so God is looking at stewardship as an individual thing is what you're saying. Absolutely. Okay, all right. Um, Patsy, how would we apply- yes, ma'am. How would we apply this principle in our own lives? Well, I think in order to apply this principle in our life, we first have to realize that we are sinners saved by his grace and his mercy. So it's going to take us to get away from those worldly things, the telephones, the, the iPads, and to spend time and build a relationship with Christ so that we know his character and that that character, character can be transferred in us. But if we do not, understand that 
we are to give him glory and honor. We can't just give him lip service. He expects us to do actions with our words, not that we're working to get approval, but because he loves us. So let me just throw this out there. Another question in relation to that. Trust. Is it that we are, we are to learn to trust God or is it about God being able to trust us or both? Both. In my opinion, it's both. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, and then uh, Lakita, what should our prayer be? after this chapter, reading this chapter. We've gone through the point of it, the principle of it, the application of it. What should our prayer be? Lord, help me to be completely devoted to you. Give you my time, my talent, my temple treasure. I will be responsible to, um, to serving, to using all of my stewardship for you, Lord. And I won't give that responsibility to anybody else. And if I am, please show me where I'm doing that at so that I can ask for help to change. Okay. Amen. Excellent answers. Um, and Lakita, we're going to ask you to pray that out after we get here from Lee. Lee, where are we next week for the class in the book? Uh, next week, we're in the book Heaven, chapter 20. It's our last chapter. It'll, it'll take us two weekends to finish. So chapter 20. Okay. Last chapter in the book. Okay. Seems like it went so fast. <laughs> right. Uh, are there any specific prayer requests? Lakita, I'm going to ask you to pray us out and pray that prayer application, but also any specific prayer requests. Yes, uh, for my family, overall, my health, myself, of course. Okay. Uh, my prayer... Oh, this is Paula. My prayer request is um, God's continued guidance and that I obey um, and let his Holy Spirit do his perfect work in me. That can be used, you know, to enhance his kingdom. Also for my health and the health and protection of my family. And as always, um, um, my focus as far as career, the work that he wants me to do here on earth. Okay. Uh, my prayer request is for God to reveal himself to me and my family and for us to really see him and just simply obey and trust him and follow him and simply obey. And also, of course, for him to bless us, to prosper and be in good health and to, to, to um, fulfill the purposes for which he gave us life. My prayer request is that God would continue him and the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me. And when I fall and make a mistake, I go to my brothers and sisters and say, I'm sorry. Or I go to, you know, God saying, I made this mistake, uh, forgive me. And that the Holy Spirit will lead me back on the track. As long as I'm striving to be like Christ, that the Holy Spirit and God has said, they will never leave me and they will be with me until the end. So I want to do their will and let them lead me and guide me that God may be uplifted. Mm -hmm. Anybody else before we have Lakita close out? 
uh, definitely want to ask for prayer on my root canal coming up Thursday. Uh, that is a success, and this head pain will go away. Hmm. Okay. Also, for my for my children, friends, their friends, and their classmates, and for the Stoma family. Okay. And um, I have a prayer. I have a prayer request for my sorority sister. She lost her husband, so I'll be at the funeral tomorrow. And her, their last names is Hamilton. Okay. Okay, Lakita, we're gonna have you go ahead and close us out with prayer. And uh, Lakita, if she would add Sister Williams, that's my brother's mother-in-law. She's in the hospital. Okay. Okay, let's buy his. Okay. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are so grateful that each week we can get here to discuss and share and uh, have our eyes opened and, um, and understand your word better, dear Father. We just praise your holy name for that. Lord, we have with us so many uh, burdens. Each person here is concerned for their family members. All those who are outside of the ark of safety, Lord, those of us who are in the ark of safety, Lord, we just ask for your blessings and your mercy upon, the, upon us and that you would give us the right words to say, show us when to keep our mouths closed, give us wisdom, dear Lord, and help us to um, know when to speak, what to say, how to say it, Lord, and the, even the correct tone, the correct look, the correct time, all of us, because Lord, we know that we are handling your business and that our families and friends, they have to be saved, dear Lord. We know that Alvina has specifically mentioned her children and their friends, dear Lord, because we know that it is important that we want her, their, her children to be an influence on their friends and not so much their friends and influence on her children. So we ask that anybody that's in their life that you remove them out of their life, anybody that would destroy their relationship with you, we ask that you remove them so that they can see you clearly and that they can follow you, dear Lord. We ask also, she's concerned about the Stomer family, that you will be with this family, Lord. You know what their needs are. You know what their desires are. But mostly, Lord, you know where they are in terms of having a relationship with you, which is ultimately the most important thing. Lord, we ask that Paula has always asked to have the Holy Spirit work in her. And she has a greater desire for more of the Holy Spirit in her life, dear God. She's asking for direction in her career so that she will be doing and moving in the places that you would have her to be. And Lord, we ask that you will open up doors for her and give her the vision to see the door that you open, no matter how it may not seem to be worthy of her attention, but you've called her attention to go to the places that you would have her to go. She's asking you to be with, the help, uh, with her family to provide them with good health and, of course, prosperity. And Lord, most importantly, more of the Holy Spirit and throughout her family, Lord. We ask that you will, um, again, remove people from around this family that will cause injury, that will prevent them from seeing you, Lord, or that will cause them to stumble and fall. We ask for your mercy and your grace upon this family. We ask you, Lord, that you be with Karen. And you know that she truly have a desire to follow you. She wants to hear your voice and to do what you tell her to do, as we all do, Lord. So that's a prayer for all of us as well, dear Father and that you will bless her family. You know that there are her children. Um, some may not be in the ark of safety as she understands it, dear Lord, but you know her children and you know what it takes for them to be saved. So we ask that you will 
give her a voice of praise and thanksgiving, knowing that you are working with her children and you are doing more than she could ever do for her children. So we just praise your holy name that you are right on top of that situation for her, that she's asking for prosperity and good health, the Lord, and also that you help her to fulfill the purpose for life uh, for which she was uh, created for, Lord, and that you will open those doors. I know that at one point she wanted to be a judge. And Lord, although she may be looking in a different direction, we know when that door opens, Father, it's going to open wide. It's going to be easy for her and because you are merciful, kind, and gracious God. We ask that you prepare her heart for those things that are to come, which are step-ups in her lives, and we ask that you prepare her, dear Father. We ask that Pessy wants to follow you, dear Father. She wants you to um, show, her, uh, show her how to admit when she's wrong and to see and give her wisdom when she's right or wrong, as we all need, Lord. Help us all to admit that we're wrong or right and, and to know, Lord, that it's not so important to be right as it is to be loving and kind, even in being right. That she strives to be like Christ as we all desire to be more like Christ. And she wants to be the splitting image of you, Father. So we ask for your mercy and your guidance. We know that this is the prayer that you desire for each of us and that we all desire this in our hearts. And she wants to do the will of God and to follow out the will of God and to let other people see that she's walking by faith with you. She has a burden for the Hamiltons and that she goes to the funeral tomorrow. We ask that you, would give, um, that you would give her that perfect love which casts out all fear. We ask that she would have a full heart of the spirit of God and that you would give her just the right words and know when to be silent because there is a time for silence. And we ask that you would help her, Lord. Be with her, watch over her, protect her as she go in and out throughout the week. And Percy is asking for his upcoming root canal, but we know also that Percy des desires to be the, um, the splitting image of you as well. And that as a teacher, he desires to be the best teacher for Sabbath school, dear Lord. He wants to um, teach and reach out to those of us who are coming and uh, give us that his teaching will give us a desire to do better and to be better Christians as a result of what he does with the Sabbath school class. We ask, we ask you to bless him with his job. We know that recently he was passed over for a promotion, but Lord, we know that something better is coming his way. We just ask that you will Give him that voice to praise you already for what's coming because of your goodness and graciousness towards him. We ask that you would be with Christina and also with Kennedy because we know that um, it's not easy having a young lady in the house of the Lord. She's a beautiful young lady. She's very kind, dear Father. And I just praise your holy name for the job that they're doing. So we ask that you continue to be in her heart and her mind. And Lee is asking for Sister Williams in the hospital. Uh, we ask that you will be with Sister Williams that you would send holy angels to be to surround her bed. And that we know, Lord, already that you are comforting the family um, and, and helping the family to know what to say and what not to say. And Lord, we ask as stewardships that we will take responsibility for doing our part. Lord, help us this year to develop every talent that you have put in our way. Help us, Lord, not to be afraid to go after school or after training or whatever it takes for us to move up the ladder and to do more with the talents that you've given us, dear Father. We ask that you would help us to use our time and maybe even take up the challenge instead of using all the time for TV, but to maybe cut it in half and use half more of that time to study your words. Um, we ask for our bodies this year, dear Lord, that we will come out at the end of this year, even though we're getting older, help us to be in better health, health because we're using our talents and we're not going to be irresponsible with our health. Uh, and then, Lord, our treasure. 
not just returning tithe and offering. Lord, help us to be generous in other ways too. You know, helping those who are around us, making wise investments, you know, using our money in a wise way. Help us, dear Lord, to do what you have us to do. Help us not to be afraid of anything, but to trust completely in you. We just praise your holy name. We know that you have heard our answer. You have heard our prayers and you are already answering the Lord as we continue to while we're walking forward to the blessings that you're giving us as a result of this prayer. So, Lord, we will praise your holy name already and thank you in advance because we know you're such a good and merciful God. And you love us more than we could ever love ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray and praise you always. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. And uh, yes, we will yes. see you. Hey, y'all. Yes. Hey, hmm? yes. I, I forgot to mention this homeless guy named Charlie. So when y'all get time, pray for this homeless man named Charlie that I, come across, I came across. Lord, we ask that you will look down on Charlie, that you will, you know what he needs, dear Father. So we ask that you will stabilize his placement, stabilize his mind, and Lord, give him a desire within his heart to get to know you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Everybody Amen. Everybody I was happy to hear about Bye. your son getting baptized. Okay, oh, we're going yeah. to end the live session. Whoever wants to stay on can stay on. <laughs>